I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Politics are such a way na ina-affirm yung fears and anxieties ng mga tao. And parang feeling mo na-affirm ka. Diba? Parang dahil nasabi ng politician. And, and then, the disinformation economy will create various kinds of stories, online groups, hashtags na you can participate in feeling mo your part na of a tribe. And that, in a way, emboldens you to be much more extreme in your political position. Ako si Mayan Vital. Ako si JC Punong Bayan. At ako naman si Jeff Arapok. Welcome sa Usapang Econ Podcast. Now on its second season. Ang Usapang Econ Podcast ay proyekto ng mga batang ekonomista na naglalayong gawing mas fun, relatable, and understandable ang economics. Powered by Puma Podcast. Sa episode na ito, tatalakayin natin ang isang topic na malapit sa aming puso. At ito ang disinformation. Natatandaan ko pa noong 2018, sinisimulan pa lang natin ang usapang ekon, ito na ang pinag-uusapan natin. Ang dami kasing economic myths and misconception na at that time, sinubukan natin i-address through our blog. Fast forward to 2021, at iba na ang context ng disinformation for us. Kaakibat na nito ang fake news at mga political posts na nagpapalaganap ng outright lies. Siyempre, Andiyan na rin ang trolls, na wagas kumakapag-comment sa social media. And this phenomenon has sparked the interest of many researchers, including our special guest today. And I would like to introduce Jonathan Ong. He is currently research fellow at the Shorenstein Center of Harvard Kennedy School, where he studies COVID-19 racism and disinformation. And he's very much engaged with the Philippines Election Commission to lead policy change in social media, political advertising in the 2019 Philippine election. So, John, welcome. Great to be here. So, Jonathan, pwede bang bigyan mo kami ng konting background nitong research mo? Yeah, so... Architects of Network Disinformation, yung una kong study about disinformation as a shadow economy sa Pilipinas. So, we were very interested kung paano ba yung palakad ng political campaigns ng 2016 Philippines elections, kung saan nanalo si Duterte, ano yung digital component ng campaign. So, rather than just talking about trolls in the abstract or trolls in terms of what is true or false information, gusto namin malaman yung business ng campaign. So, paano ba yung mga kontrata? Sino ba yung leader? Sino ba yung workers? And also about morality and ethics. So, how do these workers sleep at night? Diba? Na parang 
how can they stand doing this for everyday job? So yung argument namin dun sa uh, report na ginawa namin is that project-based and short-term work arrangements are common industry practice. So there's many ways in which one can get into fake news work, but the most common is project-based and short-term. And therefore, may parang moral distance ikaw dun sa gawain mo. One of the arguments that we found in our report if you're hired for this campaign, you're not called a troll. Hindi yung tawag. So you're the digital support worker. You're the strategist. So parang it sounds fancier than what it actually is. And since then, we've been trying to lobby for more fairness and transparency when it comes to campaign. Nandiyan na yung disinformation actually way before na, even before the internet age, nandiyan na yan. Pero parang because of the digital age, yung uh, almost zero marginal cost of producing information and disinformation, napakadali, di ba? Pero can you give us more detail, uh, John, kung gano'ng ka-extensive ba to? Paano na hahanap yung mga digital support workers and uh, ano incentives na hinaharap nila sa kanilang trabaho? So, um, you can be working for government, you can be working for a politician, you can be working for an ad agency or a digital company, or you can have like a website. And each of these are potential entry points to recruitment into disinformation work. And again, no one is really a full-time troll, but they won't call themselves as a troll. A lot of this info is domestic. And kailangan domestic dahil kailangan alam mo yung jokes, kailangan mo yung pop culture vernacular, di ba? That will really tap into yung sentiments of specific communities. Tapos meron naman yung if you're hired within a politician's own staff, you can be hired to do this info work. So I invite um, your listeners to check out our Architects of Network Disinfo report. Meron kaming a passage doon where we talk about this person who was hired as a legislative staff. And you'd be surprised that this person is a summa cum laude from one of the hardest programs in this uh, state university. And then nautusan lang siya during the elections to open troll accounts out of pakikisama. So sabi ng chief of staff, well, mawawalan kayo ng trabaho kung hindi tayo manalo. So everyone in the office open a fake account and then start going down dun sa news page dedicated to that town and then try to seed propagandas, seed memes to attack the other candidate. And then there's another element that if you're in an ad agency, or a PR agency, obviously your main job is to do this for brands. And then it's election season or my scandal si politician, uh, ma-hire kayo for that project. On the one hand, you have those people na probably trabaho lang talaga to. So they're, they're the ones who are taken in. Klaro sa kanila na ito yung, ito yung trabaho nila. Na okay, do copy-paste, share mo to, mag-respond ka sa mga ganitong classing influencers and all that. Thus, on the other hand, you have these people na they know, pero para na-hijack lang sila kasi binayaran sila for that at wala sila magagawa dahil ito yung kailangan nilang gawin. It has something to do with job security. You know? Totally agree with you, Mayen. I think for the lowest level worker in this hierarchy, yun talaga yung issue, di ba? Na kailangan nila ng job for that summa cum laude she had like really high ambitions for herself, but she needed a very good recommendation um, to lead toward her next 
gig, diba? So she had to compromise for that particular window. But it's not to justify any of this work, diba? And especially for those people at the top, there's real accountability that we need to assign on to them. Kailangan natin malaman, sino ba talaga sila? Do they even report this for their business? Natatax ba sila when they get money from politicians? And that's why I wanted to um, chat with you folks um, yeah, who are economists. Could we not think of other ways to penalize, create disincentives for this kind of work? Dahil lumalaganap siya talaga. Pero naa-amaze ako dun sa setup na para siya talagang call center agency, di ba? Parang ganun yung nai-imagine ko nung kinukwento siya ni Jonathan nung eh, na parang may cubicle, ganyan. So, Jonathan, nalaman nyo ba kung paano yung setup? The troll farm as a call center type of operation. Parang that's an easy image that we have. And I think it applies a lot to the clickbait and digital agency work model may responsibility yung bawat tao for a particular portion of that job. For some of them, ang trabaho nila is to write a clickbaity headline. And then pinapasa nila to the writer of the fake article. And then yung iba naman, yung job is to see that within multiple kinds of online pages. Diba? So yung fake news link is to see to trending news today. Pilipinas Today, Davao News Today, etc. Yung mga online groups on Facebook. But at the same time, I wanted to nuance that na for some, it's a location-based job na they go to an office and marami silang kasama. Yung iba naman, it's a temporal job. And this is mostly the influencers on Twitter. And they come together for one weekend dahil my campaign or my rally and kailangan nila magpa-trend ng hashtag. And ang trabaho nila is to use the six fake accounts that they have na ang daming followers on Twitter and kailangan nilang isid yung hashtag na yon and ipa-trend. And what we found most interesting is itong short-term arrangement. Ginagamit to for politicians but they also do this for brands. You know, like a soft drink brand or a shampoo brand. And yeah, so parang common industry practice siya talaga in advertising and PR. Pero yun yung mahirap, no? Kasi nag-exist na siya before, kasi nga ginagamit siya sa mga brands, pero ito kasi ibang klase na yung binibenta mo, eh. Hindi na to product, hindi na to mga shampoo, di ba? Ano na to, eh? A politician or an ideology or, for example, you want to revise something sa history, papasok na yung ethics, di ba? winners and losers given na meron nga nitong market ng disinformation? Yung strategists at the top uh, gain a lot of clout, gain a lot of contracts and money out of this. And what I find actually quite frustrating is hindi pa natin sila na-assign ng responsibility and accountability. Diba parang we have a way of talking about trolls or fake news queens ito influencers sila ito yung mga micro celebrities or mega influencers on Twitter na maraming followers pero I would argue hindi sila yung leader hindi talaga sa kanila napupunta yung bulk ng pera sila lang yung taga patrend ng hashtag pero yung real strategy hindi naman sila yung gumagawa noon so yung politician diretso sila to the campaigner to the strategist and the strategist will assemble 
their influencers and then may tao pa underneath them. So for me, kailangan natin malaman kung sino talaga yung mga strategists at the top. These are people in advertising, in, in PR, and mahirap silang kalabanin because uh, marami talagang pera uh, dito sa industriya na to. At the same time, journalists might be reluctant to antagonize these people because they also hold corporate advertising money, di ba? Alam ko na you studied this especially in the context of the 2019 elections. Ano, na, to what extent were uh, private firms involved? Can you consider it a side gig of many of these uh, boutique uh, PR firms? Or to a certain extent, ay part talaga siya ng operations nila? Or is it all uh, under the table? People know there's something really shadowy and shady about this. Pero open secret, alam naman nila na ginagawa to. So some of the largest multinational ad agencies and PR agencies explicitly bawal sila to consult for politicians. Unless recommended by their headquarters in New York or Los Angeles, bawal talaga. Pero it doesn't mean that the individual couldn't do it on the side, na hindi lang nila report. And parang medyo open secret daw sa agency kung sino among the board members yung talagang may consultant side gig, hindi lang nila uh, rin-report. Actually, curious din ako, John, na among the suppliers of this information in this very hierarchical industry, I mean, paano sila nakakatulog sa gabi? <laughs> the people at the top have this idea na parang laro lang siya even use tropes from popular culture to make what they're doing seem lighter than what it actually is. We encountered one strategist na tawag niya sa kanya, Olena Tyrell daw siya. So uh, nobody knows I was the one who did that. But you actually harassed people. But how can you say that? Diba? Na, for me, that's a discourse of gamification and fictionalization. You make light what you're actually doing. For people naman at the bottom, for some of them, short-term lang ito. They will say na, well, I had to compromise for six months. I really needed this job. But afterwards, I knew in my head na temporary lang ito. And I approach this not to apologize for them, but analyze these as justifications. Curious ako dun sa differentiation ng products. Meron kasing clients na, kunwari ako, gusto kong bumango yung pangalan ko, politiko ko, so i-hire ko yung PR agency. Meron din bang product in such a way na meron kang tina-target na gusto mo siyang siraan? In the past, paano mo sisiraan yung iba? Sometimes you leak that story to a journalist. Sometimes you pay a journalist to have a very slanted angle up to a particular story. So ngayon, you don't need to do that. You can see these particular narratives online. And it really crosses the line toward harassment because you will use sexism, you will use uh, gay shaming, you poke fun at people's color of their skin, diba? And so that is really targeted forms of harassment in which you do that to smear your opponents and besmirch their reputation, diba? May iba naman na yung pag-target is not so much to target the opponent, but to target specific groups of voters. That's what online ads allow. Pwede mong isheed a particular story, medyo iibahin mo yung look ng candidate mo to appeal to certain communities. 
if you want it to be targeted to a specific region, therefore you might want to use particular jokes or or stories that can appeal to them, or to stoke certain kinds of historical revisionist narratives. It seems na itong mga objectives of positive and negative advertisements, matagal na siyang strategy. Na-encounter na natin yan even way before social media. I mean, mudslinging na mga politicians, and then you have all these Apple posters here and there, as if, kunwari, galing kay mayor whatsoever yung project na to, did your research cover just how much Facebook has magnified that? I think when it comes to politics, we definitely celebrate social media na it democratized political participation and speech. And particularly for countries like ours, diba, na with our huge social and economic divides, for there to be greater access uh, provided to lower income communities, in some ways, being on social media is their first time to have a voice, the first time that they're able to express themselves. But that comes at such a cost in the sense that there are so many higher level people and politicians, really, who have so much to gain from manipulating and making people feel like they're being recognized, but they're not really being recognized. Politicians are such a way na ina-affirm yung fears and anxieties ng mga tao. And parang feeling mo na-affirm ka, diba? Parang dahil nasabi ng politician. And, and then the disinformation economy will create various kinds of stories, online groups, hashtags na you can participate in, feeling mo you're part na of a tribe. You're part now of a group, and that, in a way, emboldens you to be much more extreme in your political position. So I think there's so many entry points towards more and more hardline positions in social media, and that's what makes it really dangerous. Ako, curious ako eh, kasi diba, kaya naman merong supply, kasi merong demand for this information. Is the demand generated as well? Yeah, so uh, economists, so language in your supply and demand. Diba? So for us in communication studies, what we're saying is that social media rewards high-intensity emotional engagement as you become more extreme, as you become more aggressive in your speech. That's what gains a lot of likes. That's what tends to trend. Yeah, it just gets a lot more attention that way. And that's what disinformation producers are preying on, yung architecture mismo ng social media. The fact that its engagement is geared towards that which is like very intense, very extreme. So yung more moderate positions, more reasonable positions, that gets drowned out. Nuance does not sell. So Jonathan mentioned one, the platform proliferates yung mga sense of belongingness na na-echo yung sarili mo, yung perception mo. And then second, you can create all these groups to come together wherein you can confirm each other's biases. So, Jeff, I think you can run through some of the interesting economic concepts or jargons very related dun sa mga sinabi ni Jonathan. Ano? Kasi diba, pag tinignan mo yung mga disinformation or yung mga fake news, Karamihan naman sa kanila, hindi talaga mga long articles, di ba? Minsan, mga memes. Or minsan, picture na 
maling quote or hindi totoong quote na sinabi ni politician A, 'di ba? Ganun siya, ganun yung form niya. So, mabenta siya sa mga tao kasi 'di ba sa behavioral economics may tinatawag na system 1 and system 2 of thinking. Yung thinking fast and slow ni Kahneman, 'di ba? Ito i-relate ko doon sa usapang econ kung paano tayo nagsimula. 'Di ba nagsimula tayo sa usapang econ articles, yung blog post na mahahaba. And we realize that nung una, may demand siya, then eventually, wala nang gusto magbasa. Kasi nga, effort magbasa ng mga ganong articles eh. Kailangan mo ng system 2 of thinking, or basically, yung thinking slow. Mas effort. So, yung mga tao kasi sa social media, gusto nila nung instant eh. Unang tingin, gets agad yung message. Like yung mga memes nga, So, may appetite talaga for fake news kasi yung form din nitong mga fake news is nagre-require lang siya ng system one of thinking or yung thinking fast. Kaya ang bilis niya din kumalat. Yun nga yung ano eh, isang observation ko din na dati um, ang dami ng mga articles natin, di ba? Tapos paikli ng paikli yung content natin. <laughs> ang kulang na lang yung TikTok. Hindi mo hindi pa hindi ka pa sumasayaw sa TikTok, Jeff. <laughs> yun nga eh, di ba? So yun yung maiisip mo talaga na ang human mind may dalawang processes talaga siya ng thinking, di ba? So yun. Ang hirap ka din kasi mag-fact check, di ba? Effort shape. I think yung isa pang importante dito ano na nagre-create ng demand for disinformation, yung tinatawag na confirmation bias. Parang meron tayong bias dun sa content that confirms our previous ideas. And uh, I think hindi rin nakakatulong yung algorithms itself. Eh. So meron yung behavioral aspects sa ating mga tao, pero nire-reinforce siya ng mga algorithms kasi iba in-scan din ng mga algorithms. Ano ba yung mga nila-like nito? Anong sinishare nito? And in the future, yun yung pinapakita na lang din niya, related content. We're caught in a vicious cycle of sorts. And it's very difficult to escape from that kind of vicious cycle. Totoo yan. Kasi di ba pag kunwari, check mo yung suggested videos, di ba? Kung ano yung kalimitan mong pinapanood, yun yung nasa suggested videos mo. So, yun nga, totoo. Para siyang patibong. Yeah. Zainab Tefechi, the popular digital activism scholar, um, says na on YouTube, you can't be extreme enough. Na talagang iraradicalize ka niya down to a more extreme position because of yung algorithm, di ba? It sends you down deeper and deeper rabbit holes. So we've talked about the supply and demand for disinformation. At the same time na merong structured industry na nagsusupply ng disinformation, merong ding malakas na demand para sa ganitong klaseng content. In part 2 of this conversation with Jonathan Ong, We'll discuss the unintended consequences of the proliferation of disinformation, especially on the upcoming elections. Hello, ako po si Mayn Vital. Ako naman po si JC Punong Bayan. At ako po si Jeff Arapok. If follow ang Usapang Econ Podcasts sa Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, abangan nyo rin ang video version ng interview namin kasama si Jonathan Ong sa aming Facebook page at YouTube channel. Salamat sa audio editor ng episode na ito na si Mark Casillian at sa producer namin na si Trisha Aquino. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.